Welcome to this week's Shir, Parashat Bahar Bechul Kotai. We're going to talk about Bechul Kosai today. That's the uh, parasha that we're going to address, but I'm going to start from a slightly different angle. We're going to be, we will be looking at an Asivas Shalom, but before we do that, I want to learn a Gemara and Chagiga. Because, and this Gemara and Chagiga, by the way, is not the only place where it appears. This particular passage appears in a number of different places. And uh, we're going to be quoting the Gemara in Chagiga, which I would say is the primary location, but it's also in the Yerushalmi, it's also in Perkid Rebeliezer, it's also in Medrash Rabbah. We're then going to quote a small piece from Medrash Rabbah. And the reason why I'm focusing on this today is because we're going to see the Nesivas Sholem is very taken by this particular Gemara because um, the piece in Medrash Rabbah uses a posuk from Parshas Bechu Koisai in um, taking the matter further. It sounds a bit intriguing, I know. Let's go into the Gemara and you'll see what I'm talking about. By the way, this is quite a well-known Gemara. It's not a Gemara you've never heard before, I hope. But if it's the first time you're hearing it, you'll hear it's really important. Tanu Rabbonon. We learned in Ebraisa. You know that the Gemara records many of the aspects of that which the Tanoim taught which isn't recorded in the Mishnah. Here's one example. Tanar Abonon, the rabbis, the Tanoim learnt, this is a brysa, and we have here a machloikus, a dispute, a debate between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, the two competing schools of rabbinic learning that existed during the very late part of the Second Temple period. Before the Beis Amikdash was destroyed, the two primary schools of learning were Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. I've spoken about it before in my Pirkei Ovis share, that uh, you had Hillel, um, who was this incredible, powerful, charismatic force in the Jewish world, and he had a Talmud called Shammai, and when Hillel died, it wasn't one of his children or grandchildren who took over as head of the Sanhedrin, Shammai took over, and he had by that time developed his own, um, I guess, style of learning, and there was a bit of a pushback from Hillel's Talmidim, including from his own family. And eventually when Shammai died, Hillel's family took over. And you had these two competing elements within the Jewish world, Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. So uh, you have here and in many places throughout the Talmud and the Medrash, you have a machloikus between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, the school of Hillel and the school of Shammai. Beis Shammai Oimrim. Here's Beis Shammai's opinion. Shamayim nivru'u techila. The heaven, the heavens, Shamayim, we usually translate it into English as heaven, can mean sky, but uh, here it means that which was created in the first day of creation. Shamayim nivru'u techila was created first. That means if you're looking for the chronology, Shamayim came first, and after that, um, land or the earth was created. So you've got here this, I, I guess you have to think of it in these conceptual terms, that there's two entities, there's a Shamayim entity and there's an Oret entity. Which one was created first? It says Beis Shammai, we know for sure, it must have been Shamayim. Shenemar, Bereshis bara Elohim, the beginning God created. What's the order in the Pasuk? You know it, you'll say it together with me. Shomayim, Esa Shomayim, Ve Esa Oretz. He created Shomayim and then he created Haoretz. 
So it sounds like from the Pasuk, if you're looking for chronology, the chronology is right there. Shamayim came first, and then Haaretz came. But Beisilel disagrees. Beisilel have the opposing view in this debate, and they say as follows, Eretz nivreis techilo. Don't be confused. Don't be distracted by the chronology of the Pasuk. In fact, Eretz was created first. Va'acharkach shamayim, and only afterwards shamayim. Shenemar, and he brings a Pasuk. There is one obscure Pasuk, and the Pasuk... Um, uh, um, it's, only, it's one of the only places where you see that the chronology changes. It's also in Bereshis. It's in Perik Beis, Pasuk Dalad in Bereshis. The Pasuk says, On the day that God created Eretz Vashamayim, then we can see from that that the word Eretz comes first, the chronology has been reversed, and therefore it must be that Eretz was created first and Shemaim was created second. Now, I, I'm not going to go into There's various um, different versions, as I said, of this particular debate, and they give their reasons as to why they think that their version is correct and the op opposing concept or the opposing version is incorrect. It's not important for this shear, but maybe very interesting for another shear. We'll get into that. And if you want to know more, you're welcome to get in touch with me. By the way, I'm always delighted to receive your emails. I'm not difficult to reach, and I do try and respond to every single email that I receive. I don't always respond right away, but I generally respond within a few days. And my email address is pinidunner, P-I-N-I-D-U-N-N-E-R, at gmail.com. You're welcome to contact me that way or via my website, rabbidunner.com, and there's a contact page. You can contact me, and I'm delighted to hear Anything that you have to say, comments on the shiurim, on the lectures, on the articles, and you're very welcome to ask me any questions and to consult me on any subject that you think I may be able to be helpful with. I wish I can be helpful in every subject. Not always the case, but I will certainly respond and I look forward to hearing from you. So we've just learnt this section from the Gemara in Chagiga about the debate between Beishamah and Beishillel about whether Shomayim or Oretz were created first. It's a little bit of a puzzling uh, controversy uh, because as the Nesivas Shalom is going to say, we're going to get to the Nesivas Shalom, who cares? I mean, what difference does it make? Let's say we would decide we agree with Beishamah. Okay, it's a big deal. Okay, Shomayim came first and then Oretz. Or we're going to say, uh, no, no, I agree with Beishillel. Uh, wonderful. What difference does it make to your life? It makes no difference, or it seemingly makes no difference. Now, if that's your thought, wait till you hear what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said. So we've just commemorated the, the yard site of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son, Rabbi Yezer. Of course, we know that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was one of the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva, and he had to hide in a cave for 12 years. Um, he was escaping from the Romans because he taught Torah. And during this period of time, he took... He was one of the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva who took the mysticism that Rabbi Akiva knew and he ran with that ball and he composed the Zohar or whatever version of the Zohar that he came up with. And later on, of course, we know that uh, it was only uh, revealed to the public, as it were, much later on in the 14th century. But the basic elements of the Zohar were composed by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and we know that uh, he is buried in Miran. Of course, we've just uh, had the tragic news about the terrible deaths 
the 45 deaths in Miran, and um, it's just been a, a very, very sad and difficult few days as we have to consider that on the day that we celebrate Lagba Omer, we're also going to have to commemorate for all the years ahead of us the terrible deaths of these 45 innocent people who were killed uh, in this terrible stampede that occurred in Miran. So we're going to learn a, little, a bit of Rav Shumbar Yechai today. It's not really Kabbalah, it's not mysticism, um, it's, uh, it's not uh, esoteric, it's a Medrash Rabbah. Rabbi Shem is quoted in the Medrash Rabbah based on this machloikas that we've just seen between Beishamah and Beishila. Omar Rabbi Shem Ba'yuchai. Rabbi Shem Ba'yuchai said, Tomea ani heich nechleku abay sa'ilam Beishamah Beishilel abriya shamayim v'aretz. He says, I'm puzzled. I'm mystified. Why it is that these great fathers, these patriarchs of the world, Beishamah and Beishilel, would argue about which came first, Shamayim or Oretz. He says, because I believe, as far as I'm concerned, that neither of them really, or it sounds that what, like that's what he's saying, neither of them is correct because they were created together, simultaneously, like a pot and its cover. That's the example that he gives. Ilfas v'chisuya, shenemar, and he quotes a pasuk in Yeshaya, alem yamdu yachtov, talking about Shamayim v'oretz, and the pasuk says yamdu yachtov, they stand together. And the implication, I guess, from this pasuk is, although that's not what the pasuk is talking about, is that they, they somehow came into being simultaneously. They stand together. Omar ben so we know that Rabbi Lozar, Beliezer, the son of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, he added to what his father said. He augments it as follows. Im kedas Abba, if you agree with what my father says, Loma shumaktim shumaktim He asks a very good question. Based on what you've just heard from my father, that they were created simultaneously, why is it that on occasion, the psukim which talk about Shamayim v'oret say Shamayim first and oret second. Or on other occasions says, we quoted from Perik Beis in Bereshit, say Eretz first and Shamayim second. Why doesn't it um, always keep to one order? What is the significance of the difference in the order? And it's to teach you that each one is as valuable as the other. In other words, the psukim want to convey a particular notion. And that is that Shamayim is not superior to Oretz, and Oretz isn't superior to Shamayim. What does that mean? Rabbi Lozo ben Rabbi Shimon is not really explaining to us what that means. He's just suggesting that the fact that there is a difference between some Psukim and others means that they are of equal value that not one is more valuable than the other. The, the problem is they're not really telling us what the value of either of them is, that we should know what the value of them combined would be. In other words, what is the value of Shomayim? What is the value of Oretz? What do they represent? That Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai and Rabbi Lozim and Rabbi Shimon are not talking about, but they are just telling you that they are considered to be equal. And he gives a number of proofs. We're quoting one of them here. This is from the Medrash. The Medrash is um, quoting Reb, uh, Rebbe Lozab and Reb Shimon. He says 
that whenever we talk about Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, these are the three patriarchs of the Jewish nation, we always start off with Abraham and we continue with Yitzchak, and then we say Yaakov. Why? Because chronologically Avraham came first, then Yitzchak, and then Yaakov. So that's the way the Posuk says it. But there is one place, and by the way, this is in Parshas Bechukaisa. Here we have the connection to this week's Parsha. In Parshas Bechukaisa, it says it's a Posuk in Vayikra, Perik Chavav Posuk Membeis. Vezochartias Brisi Yaakov, Afes Brisi Yitzchak, Afes Brisi Avraham Ezkair. I remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. That's what Hashem says, by the way, in the midst of all the different and quite difficult psukim at the beginning of Bechuk Kaisai, God promises to remember his covenant with the patriarchs, but he reverses the chronological order. Instead of putting Abraham first, he puts Yaakov first. And the reason this posuk exists, says Rabbi Lozab and Rabbi Shimon, is to teach you. In the same way Shemayim and Va'aretz are interchangeable, so too Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov, not one of the Ovois is more valuable, is more precious, is to be uh, considered to be better than any of the others. That's why, at least on this one occasion, this posuk in the Torah, in Parshas Bechuk Kaisai, mentions Yaakov first, Yitzhak, and then Avraham, Last, instead of the normal order, the ordinary order is Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Okay, let me just give you a piece of Yefei Toyar. Yefei Toyar is a very interesting parish on the Medrash. Yefei Toyar was written by somebody called Reb Shmuel ben Reb Yitzchak Ashkenazi Yaffe. You should know that um, it's very unusual to find um, Ashkenazim with the surname Ashkenazi. There are there is there are exceptions. But uh, generally speaking, it's Sfardim that had the name Ashkenazi. And the reason for that is because at some point they had ancestors that came from uh, German or po- Germany or Poland and they moved to wherever it was, to Turkey or to Greece. And they became known, they were referenced as Ashkenazi. That's how they were known. And they married or their children married Sfardim and they took on all the Sfardim in Hogim and therefore they became Sfardim. But at some point in their ancestry, every single Sfardi who is called Ashkenazi is in fact, uh, has an Ashkenazi ancestor. And at this time, of course, by now, after hundreds of years, they are full-fledged Sfardim and they've taken on all the different uh, customs and Minhagim, etc. of the Sfardim. But that's, you don't find Ashkenazim with that name. Interestingly enough, though, you don't find any Ashkenazim with the last name Sfardi. That's something perhaps uh, we, could, we should speak to a name expert about, because I'm sure that there were Sfardim who moved to, uh, to Europe, to Western Europe or Central Europe, to Germany, to Poland. And why they never took on that last name is, is interesting, something to think about. But let's see what the... Nefei Torah says he was born in 1525, he died in 1595, he's one of the major commentaries on the Medrash and uh, he was the Rav of the Ashkenazi Kehillah in Constantinople, that's Istanbul in Turkey uh, during the 16th century. So in Merenevuchim, by the way, a fantastic new edition of Merenavuchim Guide for the Perplexed has just come out. I think the third volume has just been published. Uh, um, a, an incredible work, a translation, explanation, commentary on Merenavuchim. It's an understudied part of the Rambam's output, 
but uh, he says here that it doesn't seem to make sense what we've just said about in this machloikas discussing uh, whether or not Shemayim came first or it came first, whatever it is, doesn't make much sense in the context of what we see in the Rambam. Vadas Har Albag, and also the Albag, uh, uh, who is a Gesonides, another very interesting commentary on Tanakh. Um, so the idea is that, let's face it, the, uh, let's call it uh, by its scientific name, the universe was created in one second. Shemaim v'aretz didn't um, come chronologically, that one came first and, this, and another one came second. They were all created in an instant. In fact, there was no time before they were created. And at that point in time, they were created. A very interesting observation, because this machlekas between Beishamah and Beishillel seems to be indicating that one came first, that at, at one point in time, Hashem created Shamaim, says Beishamah, and then at some point later in time, he created Oretz. Says the Feitoyah, that doesn't make much sense, because if the world was created all in one go, or at least that part of creation, which we call Shemayim Ba'aretz, was created in one go, how can one have been created first and another one second? So, So let's try and understand it slightly differently. They were created um, as time elapsed. Hemshechzman means there was um, time was elapsing as they were being created. And that which um, the Rambam and the Rabag say they were created in one second, which seems to fly in the face of Beisham Beisilel. And by the way, we can't have the Rambam and the Rabag ask, arguing with Beisham Beisilel. Beisham Beisilel seem to agree on one point, which is that there was a chronology. That one was created first and another one was created second. They disagree which one was first and which one was second, but they both agree that there was a first and there was a second. Rambam and Ralbag seem to say that they were, there was no difference in time as to when they were created. So, um, what the Yufaytara wants to say to somehow reconcile Rambam and Ralbag with Beishamah and Beishillel is to say that the, the time elapsed. Let's see what he says. So, what does it mean then when it says, or when they say that it was created in a split second? That there was a point in time that, that's what's so amazing. That's why I took this piece out. It's amazing because it's, it so accords with modern science. It's written by a rabbi in the 16th century. He says, at the point in time when creation occurred, the process began which uh, for both, for both Shomayim and Oretz. That process happened in a split second. What the um, uh, Rambam and Ralbag call in other words, no time actually elapsed at the beginning of creation, and the process began for both Shomayim and Oretz. So, An incredible idea that Shomayim and Oretz both initiated at one point in time, but their creation wasn't fully completed at the same time. So whatever it is 
that science or physics needed to do in order for it to evolve to become what we would refer to as Shomayim Va'aret took time. Now the question is, which of them completed first? Was it Shomayim or was it Oretz? Now I'm not going to go into the science of it. It would seem to make sense that Shomayim started and then and then Oretz, actually, the way the first posuk in the Torah goes, right? That Esa Shomayim but Esa Oretz, because we know that the first thing that was created was the atmosphere, and only then the world was created, what we consider to be Earth, the physical, material planet that we consider to be Earth. But be that as it may, conceptually, I love the idea that just because something initiated at a particular time point in time, even if that was simultaneous with the other, that doesn't mean as they developed that they developed at the same pace. And there seems to be a machloikus between Beishama and Beishilal, which outpaced the other in coming to full, um, to f- complete creation. Was it Shamaim or was it Aretz? That's the comment of the Yefei Toyar on this particular machlokas between Beishama and Beishelah. Let's now turn to the Nesivas Sholem, and it's not a long piece, but I think you'll enjoy it, and uh, I certainly enjoyed learning it, and I want to share it with you very much. If you're looking for the source sheets, you can find them in the um, uh, um, chat section of the Zoom, or you can go to the comment section of the SoundCloud, or you can go to the comment section or the main um, description section of YouTube and you can download the source sheets, both um, everything I've just read until now, which is the Gemara and Chagiga, the Medrash Rabbah and the Yefei Toyar, and also the Nesivas Sholem that I'm about to read, which is essentially just a reproduction to Xerox of the Nesivas Sholem from the Sefer. The Medrash, and he quotes the Medrash, he quotes actually a Medrash, I, the Medrash I read you was from Bereshis Rabbah. He takes it from Vayikra Rabbah. It's, a, it's an identical um, piece of Medrash. And there may be slight nuanced differences, but essentially it's the same passage. Masmich leposuk v'zacharitis b'riti Yaakov afes b'riti Yitzchak afes b'riti Avram ezkoi v'ha'aret ezkoi. That it mentions this posuk where the um, chronology of the Ovois, of the forefathers, of the patriarchs, is reversed. And it um, juxtaposes that posuk with the machloikas, as machloikas beishamai beishila, beishamai omrim ha-shamayim nivruktchilav ahakacha-aretz, as we said, beishamai said first shamayim was created and then aretz, so beishila omrim ha-aretz nivruktchilav v'achakach-shamayim, but beishila will say the opposite view, that first it was aretz that was created, eretz, and afterwards it was shamayim. And then the Medrash says, as we just heard, How can they argue about this? It's seemingly a ridiculous, a pointless argument. Because I say that they were created together simultaneously, like a pot and its cover. Together. There was no difference in time. Don't say Shemayim came first or Oretz came first. Not at all. They both came at the same time. Amar Abilazab and Rab Shimon, and then we have the son of Rab Shimon Bar-Yechai who says, Im Kadas Shama Abba, if you're going to agree with my father, um, he says there's only one place where Eretz comes before Shemayim, usually it's Shemayim that comes before Eretz. He makes this point that not one of them is greater than the other, 
they both have equal value, and says the Nesiva Shalom, maybe Harba Dugmois Lakachi gives many examples, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon brings many examples of things which, where the orders are reversed in order to demonstrate that they are of equal value. And one of them is this Posuk in Bechu Kaisai, because in every situation, wherever we mention the Avois, we mention the three Avois, we always say Avraham first. Why? He came first. But here we say Yaakov first. We don't start with Avraham, we start with Yaakov, then Yitzchok, then Avraham. So we see that they are all of them exactly the same as each other. Each one of them is of equal value. Don't say Avraham was greater than Yitzchok because he came first. Not at all. Yitzchok is as great as Avraham, is as great as Yaakov. Yaakov is as great as Avraham. They're all as great as each other. Says the Nesiva Shalem, the Torah Bior, we need to really understand. We need to unpack this. We need to understand what's going on here. Machloikas, Beishama, Beishelel, Bebrias, Hashem is Barach, as Hashemayim, there's Oretz, this seemingly pointless dispute between Beishama and Beishelel as to which one was created first, Shamayim or Oretz. Hare, my, Dahava, Hava, says the Nesiva Shalem. That which happened, happened. It happened, it happened a long time ago. It's of no relevance to our lives. Why exactly would we even mention this dispute? It's mentioned multiple times. What relevance has it to us and that we should mention it so regularly across Talmudic and Midrashic literature? It makes no sense to cite this debate because it's of no relevance to us. So he says as follows. He says we can understand it. The first way to understand it is based on the fact of our service of God. There were two very special brothers at the beginning of the, uh, of the history of, of uh, Hasidic masters. They were both Talmidim of the Magid of Mezrich. That means they came, if you're going to put it in these terms, in the third generation of Hasidic leadership. One of them was called Rabbi Melech. He became the Rav and Rebbe of Lizhensk. And people uh, still visit his Tzion. It's around Purim time that they go to his Tzion. Rabbi Melech of Lizhensk, he brought Hasidus to Poland. He had a brother, Rabbi Zushev Anipola, who was also a very, very great Hasidic leader. Um, and he was very poor, but highly respected, very highly regarded. And they had this incredible relationship between the two of them, Rebbe Melech and Rebbe Zusha. And they once had a, a difference of opinion. Listen to this difference of opinion. It's fascinating. Uh, and they were, had an argument about what is the best method in the service of God. Im Yehudi Tzorech Lehaschil Bavodas Hashem Isbarach Migadlus Is it that a Jewish person who wants to be perfect in the service of God, how should, he, how should he start? Should he start, should his first point of call be that he should consider and reflect upon the greatness of God, of the Creator? The more he will appreciate or she will appreciate the greatness, the vastness, the omnipotence of God the Creator, the more he or she will recognize their own inadequacy. In other words, don't focus on your inadequacy first. Focus first on the greatness of God. That's what should be your go-to place. I'm looking, you come in, you say to your rabbi, I want to be a good Jew. 
what should I do first? Should I do greatness of God first? Or should I do my own inadequacy first? So if you would have gone um, to, I don't know which one it is that said it, if you've gone to one, either a Abelimelech or Abzushe, would have said to you, focus on the godless Haboire first. The other one was of the opinion, or at least was in doubt as to whether his brother was correct, was of the opinion the first place that you should go to is talk about your own inadequacy. Focus on your own inadequacy first. And once you've truly appreciated how inadequate, how powerless you really are, you truly are, you will then come to recognize the greatness of God. It's inevitable that if you focus on Shvelus Atzmai, you're going to come to the concept of Godless Habayre. That's the dispute between Rabbi Limelech and Rabbi Zusha about the service of God. They went to the Mezritcher Magid, who was their teacher, their Rebbe, their mentor, the person whose opinion they most respected in such matters. And they went to speak to him about this to resolve their debate. Do you know what he responded to them? You're both right. Don't think that one has an edge over the other. In fact, you're both right. You both got it right. However, Shvelus Atzmo should come first. Even though you're both right, listen, you have to pick one of them. You can't say that, you know, they have this, by the way, about Beshama and Beshila. The Gemara says that they needed to decide which of the two schools of thought when it came to Halacha, one should follow. Should you follow Beis Hillel or should you follow Beis Shammai? So they said, Elu ve'elu divrelekim chaim. The decision was that both Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel are correct in all matters of Halacha where they've reached a particular conclusion. Where they've come to a particular decision as to which is the correct, what is the correct way to carry out the halacha. However, halacha ke The halacha has to be like beis because you always got to go in one direction. You can't have multiple directions because then there's just confusion, chaos, and it's no good. So the Mezrach Magid said, you're both right. Eilu ve'elu divrelikim chaim, he said to Reb Zisha and to Rebelimelech. However, Let's be, let's be frank, Shvelus Atzma is the way to go. That's how you're going to start. And in this way, we can really understand this dispute, this debate between Beishamai and Beishelah that we've been talking about regarding Shamayim Va'aretz, which was created first. Shamay Omer, Shamayim Nibru Beishamai says that the heavens were created first. He's saying that the, his opinion is that the first thing you need to focus on is Shemaim, the heavenly spheres. You've got to focus on how great God is, the godless Habayre. The Hillel Oimer, Eretz Nivreis Tchila. He says, no, no, the earth, the material was created first. What does that mean? Let's focus first on the material, the physical, your inadequacy, your limitations. That's what you need to focus on first. And that's on that, Rabbi Shemarichai said, He says, I cannot understand. I'm totally puzzled. I am mystified that they would argue about this matter. Because I believe that Shemayim and Oretz, and in this case, what we're talking about is Gadlus Habayre and 
Shvelus Atzmai were created simultaneously. They're two sides of the same coin, right? That's what he says. You need both. You can't have one without the other. One cannot exist without the other. In other words, you can't exist. You can't possibly contemplate the greatness of God until you understand that you're not such a great thing yourself. And you can't possibly focus on the fact of how not great you are unless you Consider the fact that there's a great entity called God, which is greater than anything that could possibly exist. So it's, you need one in order to have the other. I, I would call this discernment by or via comparison. You can really appreciate something when you can compare it with something else. But if you don't have that other thing to compare it to, it's not possible to suggest that one is better than the other, or one is even good. You've got no idea because you're so limited in the way you perceive that thing because you don't have the benefit of the other. So if you want to know whether or not a particular type of, uh, you know, a brand of, of uh, uh, clothing is good, you've got to be able to compare it with another brand of clothing. Because you can see, well, this one is stitched beautifully, the cloth is much better, it looks much nicer, and therefore now you know that this one, even though maybe the colours are the same, you can see that that one hasn't been fabricated in quite, with quite the same quality. You need one in order to have the other. Says, I don't even know what the argument is about. How is it possible to say, Shemaim came first, in other words, let's focus on Shemaim, but don't bother with Oretz. Or for Hillel to say that Oretz came first, forget Shemaim, don't waste your time. You can't possibly even reach any um, valuable judgment with regard to either Shemaim or Oretz without knowing about the other one. And therefore they must have come Yachtov, they must have come together. It's not possible to know uh, of your own inadequacies, of, uh, of your own limitations, until you understand how great and how omnipotent and how wonderful God is. It's not possible to know how great God is until you truly understand your own limitations and the fact that you're not ever going to be able to be even close to even a fraction of what it is that God is. That's how they're going to be, like a pot and a cover. They, they, they augment each other. They um, complement, sorry, each other. You need one and you need the other. Without one, the other hasn't, ha, hasn't quite reached what it needs to get to. It's only when they are together that you have this completeness, this totality. And when one of them is missing, the shlemus isn't there. And he says another answer. The Nasiba Shalom goes ahead and he gives another answer. I've got another way of explaining this dispute, this debate between Beishamah and Beishillel about which came first, Shomayim Va'aretz. The Koi al Sur Meirava Asetoiv, we already mentioned that last week, it's a running theme in the Nasiba Shalom, this concept of Sur Meirava Asetoiv, that uh, distance yourself from bad and draw yourself towards good. Those are the fundament, the fundamental aspects of service of God. You've got two ways of fulfilling uh, uh, of this, this ideal of Sur Meirava Asetoiv. 
how can you do it? Im Yehudi Tzarech Lahaschil Basumera, Lakoreshe Sesarah Toma Bekirboi. The first thing is, you could say that the way I want to do it is, I want to make sure I'm totally devoid of any bad, anything negative. I'm getting rid of it. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And as a result of that, by the vacuum of, of negativity that you've created, that there will be a positivity that fills that space. By Sur Meira, you're automatically going to be in a space of Va'asei it's not possible to be an asay toiv if you've still got negative aspects in you. So you've got to focus on getting rid of all the bad in order to get to the good. You've got to focus on making sure that I'm not associated with anything that's going to distract me from my avoider in order to get to that avoider. Um, the positive aspects of it at some point in the future. In other words, people who think I can jump in and be a good person, but still there are aspects of their lives which are not perfect, they, they are misleading themselves. They're in, they're in a situation where they're not doing the right thing because you've still got things in your life which are just not positive. Therefore, the good that you're doing is tainted by the Ra that still exists in your life. That's one method. But there's another way. Of what is it? You could say the way I'm going to get rid of the bad is if I'm going to be completely and utterly devoted to doing good, I'll never get a chance to do anything bad. All the bad things in my life will, will, will just automatically disappear. Why? I'll have been a doer of good and therefore the bad will no longer exist. I'll have distanced myself from bad. The way to make sure that you eradicate, that you eliminate bad in your life is by doing good. The more you do good, the more you're focused on good. The more you're focused on the positive, the more you're focused on helping, on being with Hashem, of devoting your life to godly pursuits, the less chance there is of anything evil um, getting in the way of, of your aspiration to be a person that is devoted to God, that has faith in God. And this is something that we see in Chazal's Gemara in Kedushin Daf Lamed Omed Tavlin. We know that God said, I created the Yetzirah. That's a default position. Every human being has something that distracts them from doing the right thing. It's called the Yetzirah. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're physical, you're material. That's the way your body works. That's the way you, that's who you are. That's the animal in you. That's going to be your life. And that's something you have to deal with on a daily basis. However, Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi Torah Tavlin. I've created Torah, which is an antidote to the Yetzirah. Somehow, if you devote your life to Torah, even though you're a physical human being, you still have the chance to eradicate, to eliminate the Yetzirah within you. Through the study of Torah, if you do it with the, for the right purpose. By the way, there's people who study Torah who don't do it for the right purpose, and therefore they haven't managed to achieve that Sur Meirah aspect. 
But if the reason you study Torah is because you know it's a godly pursuit and it's going to improve you as you are uh, in a spiritual sense, you're going to become closer to God. That's the why you're learning Torah. I'm not learning Torah because I want to show everybody how fantastic I am in explaining what Reb Chaim Soloveitchik says on the sugya. That's not a good reason to learn Torah. If you learn Torah because you know that studying Torah is going to improve your neshama, the status of who you are spiritually, then that automatically that's going to lead to a sur meirah situation. Why? Because you're devoted to Torah for all the right reasons. Even though when you started learning Torah, there was a certain amount of ra in you. We know from the Gemara in Kedushin, Barasi, Yetzahara, Barasi, Loi, Torah, Tavlin, that somehow Torah can undermine, can take away, can eradicate, can cure you from any evil that may lay within you. And with this understanding of the Sur Meirava Asetoiv, we can understand the debate between Beishama and Beishelel, about which came first, Shamaim v'aretz. Shamaim er Shamaim nivrut chila. According to Beishamai, Shamaim comes first. Hainu she Yehudi tzarech lahaschil mehen yonim hashamayimim Torah v'avoida. That the first thing you need to focus on is all the aspects of spirituality related to Shamaim. You know, elevated stuff that makes you a holy person. Let's be honest, we're all human beings. And to ever imagine that by the study of Torah, you're going to be able to eradicate the evil within you, that's just being delusional. You need to be able to focus on the, on the bad aspect, aspects within you first in order to achieve the level of Torah that you want to get to. It sounds like Hillel was more of a Musanik and Shammai was more of like a Chosid. But you remember the famous story that uh, Shammai was approached by somebody who wanted to convert. So I wanted to convert and become, um, to become a Ger, to become a convert. I want to stand on one foot. Can you teach me everything I need to know? Shammai chased him out with a stick. Why? Because it sounds like Shammai was somebody who wanted to focus on lofty things. Don't waste your time. Unless you're willing to devote yourself to the lofty uh, pursuit of spiritual ideals, coming to me and saying, I want to learn the Torah on one foot, you're just wasting my time, you're wasting your time, clear off, go away, I don't want to see you again. But he came to Hillel, Hillel said, oh, well, that sounds interesting. That sounds like something that could be done. You know how you can do it? Never do to your fellow man that which you don't want to have done to yourself. In other words, if you behave in an upright and correct and moral fashion, that's all you need to do. That's the platform for the Torah. The rest is going to follow. First, Sur Meirah, then Asay Toiv. Nesiva Shalom doesn't say that. I just added that in. It seems to be that Shammai and Hillel had very different approaches to how one can achieve the objectives of being the best possible Jew that you can be. The Hillel Oimer Eretz Nivreis Tchilol Eretz comes first. The human nature. We can't escape the human condition. That comes first. The first thing is you need to get rid of the Ra in your life. You've got to purge all the evil in your life. That comes first. All the material desires that you have for material purposes and the bad attributes, your bad character traits that you have. Get rid of them. Let's get rid of them first. What does Rabbi say? Rabbi Shimon is clearly somebody who understands the human condition. 
he, he has a deep understanding, and he said as follows, You can't have one without the other. To pretend that what Shammai says is good and what Hillel says is no good. All the opposite, that what Hillel says is good and what Shammai says is no good, is to completely misunderstand everything about the human condition. You can't have one without the other. That, as I said before, two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. It's a simultaneous it's two tracks that actually one track that you're doing at the same time. At the same time as you're meant to purge yourself from bad, you're meant to be cleaving and doing everything that's good. You're meant to make sure that you're good, but at the same time that you don't allow bad to interfere with your life and with your life's goals. It's not possible to get rid of bad without doing good. One without the other doesn't work. Um, the Efsha, you can't do good. You can't be a truly good person. You know it. Everybody knows it. You can't be a really good person if there's things in your life which are bad, which you're doing, which are just not right. You know yourself that the human condition is a broad picture. It's a global picture. Who you are is not one facet of who you are. It's everything about who you are. So you've got to work on yourself on every level. I've got to make sure that I am a Surmeira and an Asetov at the same time. I've got to make sure that Shammai and Oretz are simultaneous. That's what Reb Shimon Bar Yochai says in this Medrash. The only way that you can achieve this objective is if you combine your efforts on both fronts to achieve what you need to achieve in order to be the person that you need to be. Fascinating. He says, and that's why you've got this posuk in the Torah, and the Medrash cites this posuk as proof of the fact that you can't do one without the other. You need both in order to achieve the objective. Shemaktim kanes Yaakov. Who comes first in that posuk? Yaakov. Who was Yaakov? The Nesiva Shalom tells us. In every other place, Avram comes first. Why? Of course he comes first. He's chronologically, he is first. It makes perfect sense. It's to teach you that each one has equal value to the other, but Yaakov comes first. Do you know what? Avram is Midas HaChesed. Avram was the ultimate Asetov. He was kindness personified. He was a person who was so loving and so wonderful to everybody he met. That's Avram Avinu. That's his thing. He's, he's an Asetov. What's Yitzchak? Yitzchak who Midas Hayira. Isaac, the patriarch Yitzchak, was the Midas Hayira, fear, awe of God. What's that? That's Sur Meirah. What's Yira? Yira Sachet. I'm frightened. I don't want to sin because I'm going to get make Hashem upset. That's not so much Asetov. That's another different aspect of the human condition. The reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I've got Yira Shamayim. It's not because I've got Chesed and Ahava. It's because I've got Yira Shamayim. The reason I'm doing this mitzvah is because I've got Yira Shamayim. That's Yitzchak. What was Yaakov? The Yaakov Midas Tif Eres Hakoilel Mizigas You've got both of these come into a combination, into a combined form, that's Yaakov Avinu. Without the combination, 
Yaakov Avinu is the ultimate representation of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Medrash. He's saying it comes together, it's one thing. You can't have two separate things. You can't have just Avraham and no Yitzchak. And you can't have just Yitzchak and no Avraham. You need to have Yaakov and that's why in that Pasuk Yaakov comes first and why Yaakov is relevant to the Machlokas between um, between Beishama and Beishila, why Reb Shem Bar Yochai said that you need Shneim Yachtov, you can't have them separately. It doesn't make any sense for this argument to even exist between Beishama and Beishila. Um, so what is it? Ahava V'yira. You need both love and fear in order to achieve the ultimate objective in terms of the service of Hashem. The completeness, the totality of the human condition is only if you've got two of these um, like one. Just having Ava or just having Yira is not enough. That's why Yaakov comes first. I remember the covenant I have with Yaakov comes first, not Avraham first, because Yaakov has to be at the, at the leader of the pack when conveying this important message of Sur Meirah for Asay Toiv that you have to come together. And that's why the Torah um, put it in this particular order. They're all equal. What Avram, Yitzchak, and of course Yaakov that combines the two, they're all equal. They all have to be, Shovin in this context doesn't mean equal. It means they're all in the same pot. They're all part of the same thing. You can't separate one from the other. You can't say I'm going to be a follower of Avraham, but I ignore Yitzchak. You can't say I'm going to be a Yitzchak, but I'm not going to be Avraham. Avraham and Yitzchak come together and they create the Yaakov, which is a combination of both Ahavon Yira, and it's called Tiferes. Sheshlemus avoidas Hashem hirakashi Yehudi metares kolamidois. The only way that you can reach the ultimate level of what you, it is you need to be is if midas Ahavon, midas Yira, midas Tiferes, you've got all three, somehow you've reached the zenith of what it is that you need to be. Az meishiv es hashlemus b'avodas Hashem, masig es hashlemus b'avodas Hashem. Then you can reach. You will have reached shlemus in terms of your service of God, which is of course where you want to be. We'll leave it here for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.